to The Show, a weekly talk with local and national artists, musicians, and venues to learn from their experience and unique perspective. This month, we are graciously hosted by the Clearwater Center for the Arts. With me today is audio engineer extraordinaire Simon Schofield. Hi, Simon. Hi, Randall. Thank you. Welcome to the show. That's wonderful. Now, first of all, <laughs> let <laughs> the viewers know who you are and what you do. Oh, my God. Um, well, I'm this British bearded emigre from, uh, <laughs> from Britain, um, from London principally. Um, I'm here now in Clearwater. Uh, I have a, a family that we started here in Clearwater, two young guys. And I've got three, younger, uh, three older guys uh, still over in, in England. Um, I'm a sound recording engineer. Uh, in the British speak, it would be a balance engineer uh, or a mix engineer. And uh, I've been making records with recording artists practically all my life. Uh, started in about, uh, when I was about 19 years old. And uh, that's what I've been doing, making hit records. Um, referred to sometimes as Goldfinger. Um, literally, I just mix records and they go off and they have a hit and come back again and we do another one and I mix it and they get back off again and have another hit. Fabulous. Yeah. That's great. Okay, so you've been in it since like the early days on tubes and tape and all that stuff. How, how has the industry, recording industry changed in your view? It's, it's changed dramatically. Um, right now, just like uh, as a sort of uh, analogy, you can actually look at the cell phone and all the pictures and the selfies that people take uh, many years ago. At, uh, you know, we didn't want to do that at all because it involved film and a camera and going back to the pharmacy and getting a very expensive you know, set of prints and, and it wasn't immediate. Uh, recording is much the same. It's, it's very immediate. Right now at home I can switch on my computer instantly and record a a podcast and uh, you know mix a track and send it somewhere so everybody's doing it and that's the difference a um, lot of music a lot of artists out there but the one big difference is that we don't really have that one singular sort of chart that we're all looking to and watching on TV to see who's going to be the number one place yeah. you know see who's coming up the ranks coming up the charts from the you know the hundreds and up into the 20s and the 10s and that kind of fun thing has disappeared because it's just so easy to go to iTunes and Google Play and, and just, you know, press a button and pay 99 cents. Um, it's, it's, it's okay, but the trouble is it's, it's, it's immediate because it's digital. And the trouble we're really having is people are listening to very poor sound quality. And my real concern at my age now for the youngsters is that they're actually putting things in their ears that is actually damaging their hearing. Wow. According to the, uh, the Grammys organization, the National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences, um, and the deaf organization, the younger people are getting more deaf than they would normally do at a retirement age. And that's becoming a serious problem. So we have to change it, and it is being changed, but it's gonna take time. Got it. Yeah. So as an artist, what is it you're actually trying to accomplish as an artist? I'm trying to accomplish something for the artist. Um, I service the artist as a technician. But my art is knowing how to do that 
and taking what they do and actually turning it into something that they actually believe is them and it represents them in the way that they feel that they should be represented. Um, again, it's a, a good analogy with photos. You know, you look at somebody in a photo and it either turns you on and you go, wow, that's a great photograph. Or you listen to a, a vocal and uh, it's, it's a great vocalist or it's a great band playing. But the thing that's actually got to be done is you've got to take this kind of raw artist and their material and actually turn it into something that will actually fit, uh, you know, fit coming out of the speaker, you know, coming out of the, you know, the, the earbud, but, but actually fit in the, not just the style or the sound, but actually fit for the moment. And it represents the artist clearly. Uh, so you actually identify the artist and not the sound. That's excellent. So how, how did you get started in this and when? And when? Well, uh, it's uh, kind of a long story, but it's, it, it's kind of really very short. Um, I'd gone down to London. I used to live in Liverpool uh, when I was about you know, 19 and uh, went to see uh, an old friend of my mother who was a pianist in London in her heyday. And um, I saw the guy and he wanted to show me the, the TV studio, um, independent TV station. And it's kind of like it didn't click, you know, all these TV screens and uh, people with white coats and you know, lots of cameras everywhere in the studio. And he said, you don't like it, do you? And I said, no. He said, well, come on, let's go and get a cup of tea and a cheese roll, right? It's a good idea, you know. So we set off down into the basement, down a long corridor, and there was all this music coming down the corridor. And I go, where's that coming from? And he said, oh, we have a recording studio. And he opened the door, and there's the guy, and I'm at the back of the guy looking into the studio, and the guy's like, and they're playing away. Uh, that's what I want to do. And that's where I started. Wow. Just like that. Okay, that's fabulous. So who or what was your first main influence? Influence? Well, um, in, in the kind of business I've been in, which is really, um, it's just an, an incredible artist business. Practically everybody I worked with had an influence of some kind. Either to cut down on the drinking, uh, you know, even the influence of like, you know, I shouldn't be doing drugs. Um, to the influence of uh, just how you understand artists. One artist would actually do something and you sort of t tally that with something else that somebody else does another day. And you pick up this kind of picture of what we're really talking about. Why are these guys? Why do they stand out in a crowd and write great songs and know how to perform on stage? You know, so you... Uh, I, I was interested in the technical side, the tape machines and the microphones, you know and building this image on, in stereo for headphones and stuff. What I realized early on was, to some extent, I, I knew how to do this. Like I'd been doing it many times before. Hmm. So I was just putting things in the right place. But the thing with the artist was I realized I was, I was actually an artist. And the moment I actually realized I was an artist in the sense that I could stand up as tall as them and be just as responsible about the art um, of being a recording engineer, uh, it just all went together. And, uh, you know, the, the principal people in the business in London were people like George Martin, uh, the, the producer for the Beatles, um, his senior engineer, his first engineer, which is Bill Price. Bill's done, you know, countless acts, you know, just every day, every week, every... I hate to think how many records he's made. I mean, I've made in... Uh, in a very busy 14 years, I made over 300 records. 
you know, so it's like, it's, it's very easy to do, make a lot of records. But uh, Bill was like the, the best engineer. He was uh, the mentor, the guy actually knew and was willing to tell you what it is, how it works, how to look after the artist, you know, how to, how to cope with the artist, you know, and all their emotions and stuff like that. Um, put those two together, George Martin and, and Bill, uh, Paul McCartney, uh, Wings, and a track like Live and Let Die for, uh, you know, the Live and Let Die James Bond film. Yeah. And all hell is let loose. It's just, it comes out the speakers so hard at you, you know, it makes you want to cry. Um, that's the life I come from. So really every, you know, every turn, every record I've done, something about it is, is meaningful, is influential. And quite honestly, that's what an artist does. They, they put their work out as an expression, and guess who picks it up the most? It's the next artist, right. or the next coming up artist. You know, I mean, look at David Bowie, we just, you know, we just lost the guy. But what's he left behind? It's amazing. You know, it's just, you know, 25 albums and, and all this unbelievable, you know, performance, where it's him singing or just, you know, writing songs. It's absolutely amazing, and it's just like, almost like every kind of aspect of this artist can be influential for somebody else. Exactly. Very good. Okay, so when we come back after a word from our sponsor, we're going to hear a special track that Simon's picked out for us. At the Clearwater Center for the Arts, we bring out the artist in everyone. Whether it's classes, kids camps, live music, film screenings, or a special event you would like us to host, Clearwater Center for the Arts is the place to be. Our purpose is to imbue Clearwater with art and to inspire and enrich our community by offering exceptional events, classes, performance, and visual arts exhibits. Okay, welcome back. Now, Simon, what have you selected from your uh, history as an audio engineer for us to listen to today? There's a, a, a record I did um, that, for some reason, I really like. It, uh, when you listen to music, a lot of the time, it's like you want to put something on, and then when it ends, you want to go, oh, I want to listen to that again. And of course, you know, you might be too far away from the, the player to hit repeat or whatever, you know. Um, or something else happens and you can't. Um, so it's a good test of a good, not a good record, but just something that you like, that you want to listen to it quite a few times. Um, this particular one is a, a young set of guys called the Lotus Eaters. Um, they're in London, this is in, in the 80s. And uh, they came in uh, for me to record them. and. Um, all sorts of things kind of started preventing it and uh, they went off to somebody else and to, to finish you know to continue recording but they came back and they said no we need you to you know help and I said we'll just go down the studio and start again and they did and it was like this couple of guys who just suddenly were let go of all the 
stress and the pressure from all these peers of record A&R people and the manager and, and the producer and, and they made the record again. Right? And it sort of, it just sounds like that. It's like that, relaxed, uh, you know, they, they, they weren't too pretentious about it and uh, they worked hard to get it done in a, you know, a short amount of time. And um, the moment they presented it, everybody loved it. Um, it's kind of like a little treasure piece of mine. And uh, the band's called Lotus Eaters. Okay, let's have a listen. Of you, the first picture of song. 
Thank you, Simon. That was awesome. You're welcome. I really liked it. The next question is, do you have any specific tips for any, any kind of artist? Tips or tricks or what things you've learned over Whoa. the years that will help them as an artist? Being an artist is um, probably the hardest thing to do on the, on, on the planet because everybody wants you not to be. You know, your mum and dad wants you to, you know, follow the steps of dad and go be a lawyer and, you know, mum wants you to have a decent job and, <laughs> you know, have uh, lots of uh, grandkids. Um, being an artist um, just requires one thing and it's absolutely brute, totally brute self-determinism with a lot, I mean, even more persistence you could ever imagine. Um, because if you have something that you believe is your art, the product of you, to put it in the marketplace to make some statement or, or, or make money out of sales, whatever it might be, you have to believe in it. But you can't believe in what you do unless you believe in yourself. Um, my best advice to anybody is if you have something you want to do, do it first before you listen to anyone. And if you listen to everybody and they say, we don't like it, pick another one, do another one. Until everybody goes, oh, we all love it. You know, but do it first, don't wait, don't ask. Um, in any way, shape or form, if it's a recording you're gonna do, do the recording, get on with it. Don't worry about what it's gonna do, how it's gonna sell, how you're gonna market it. Um, if it's great, it'll come out the bag and people will make it sort of move in all the directions that you need. Um, the best artists in the world work like that, and that's the only way they work. Well, that's terrific. That's great advice. So, what are you, what are you doing now? Putting together what needs to be done. Um, I'm at the end of my career, and I need to actually address some of the issues that the, the kids have, the younger guys as artists. The, the recording scene is, is awkward. Um, the modern scene has pushed all the old stuff out of the way the old tape machines and the, the vinyl records. But if you actually look, the vinyl record production is at the highest it's ever been, which is like ridiculous. Right? I mean, I'm you know, shocked. There's actually a guy up in the middle of America somewhere who's literally got a team of guys every week going out buying vinyl cutting machines mm. from around the world and shipping them back and repairing them and getting them into production. So his, his production going up 20, 25% every month. Um, the demand for it is, is phenomenal. Uh, the problem is not many people know how to do that. Uh, you know, what is, you know, what does the artist and the engineer and in the kind of home studio need to know uh, to get onto that, to get that record onto a vinyl, uh, get it packaged, you know, get the, get the sleeves done. Um, but more importantly, what, what he has to do to his mixes to make it suitable for a vinyl record. Uh, when I started, I got one of the first things I got trained on was how to cut a record. I actually cut an 1812, uh, you know, overture from Leopold Stokowski. You know, it's like mad, you know. But it, it's it's not readily, you know, like in Clearwater, we've got a few recording studios, but no mastering rooms, no cutting rooms, no no plants to do this. So the guys have got to send everything somewhere else, um, and that kind of remote thing is is a new thing. 
Um, so really what I want to do is help these guys. So I want to actually open up like a podcast thing, have people come to me and ask me the questions and I can give them, and we can figure it out right there on, on, on the spot. While we're doing something, we could you know, get, be online and, and, and find the places to go to. Uh, I did it recently with a band from Clearwater called Tides of Man. Uh, they came to me and said, how do we make a vinyl? Right? So they made this vinyl. And it's, it sounds great. <laughs> sounds so much better than the CD. You know, and it's not because of anything except that vinyl does sound better. So I just really want the guys to experience that. Right. Because really, at the end of the day, my job is to get a signal, which is the, the microphone and whatever that sound would be from the microphone, to the listener with the least amount of interruptions. And CD, digital, MP3s, you name it, they are full of interruptions. They're like big veers. Um, the old style microphone to a record that's been cut, to a player, to a pair of speakers, it's the most direct. And it sounds great. That's fabulous, Simon, thanks. So You're now, so welcome. what do you got coming up in the future? Gosh, well, I'm gonna steer towards getting um, information out so people can actually learn what I learned. Uh, you know, I look at a lot of different services of even some of my old comrades trying to teach people, um, and they, I mean, they do a good job, you know. Um, we all know what we know. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed is that, uh, you know, really, there, there's a cut below it all. When I started, um, literally to go into that, into that job, the very first day, I actually took a train ride from Liverpool to London. It takes about three hours. I bought a book on how a tape machine works. And the guy asked me, he said, so, do you know how the tape machine works? I said, oh yeah, and I told him. And he said, how do you know that? And I pulled the book out, so I read it on the train. And he said, you got the job. <laughs> right, so, but in that book, uh, all right, it's about a tape machine, but you know what? Everything I did with tape machines, you know, from twin 24 tracks down to just a simple little stereo, you know, mastering machine, all came out of that book. Everything I had to do to it technically was all in that book. If you've got it, then um, the tape machine's not a problem. Right. And if you've got it on the microphone, the microphone's not a problem. Um, and I just feel a little bit sort of like, we're not doing a very good job out there, us older guys, um, because uh, we kind of, ah, you know, digital's the way, and Pro Tools, that's fine, and you know, plugins, that's great. Um, no, if you've got the wrong mic, it doesn't sound so good. You know, if you've got the wrong plug-in, <laughs> it doesn't sound so good. And if you're missing all the kind of nuances of, of putting sound into a piece of tape and back off, you know, this, this magnetic system, uh, you know, just listen to all the best records in the world and, you, and, and, and check on how they were made. And they're all made on something, you know, wonderful. Um, so that, that wonderfulness is sitting on top of basic data. It's like so fundamental that what you're gonna need, for example, you could put one microphone up that is a transistor microphone, and it will sound thin, tinny, harsh. It will distort very quickly, um, very difficult to work with. But if that's all you've got, that's all you've got. But you need to know how to get over it, which is the one that doesn't do that. So you go buy a microphone with a little blue tube in it, and someone says, why is the tube so much better? The transistor mic produces third harmonics. 
it's like the discordant sound adds a sound to it that isn't there. And a tube takes it away. Wow. And it's just one little thing like that. So that tube mic will sound great on a cello, um, that tube mic will sound great on a vocal, but that piece of crap of a transistor guitar, uh, uh, microphone, will sound great on a loud guitar. It'll actually make it sound better. That's how we do it. Ah. Now it's very basic, but... <laughs> Uh, so kind of like write a book, but put it out as a podcast. Well, that's great. It's, it's, it's really refreshing to see uh, artists sharing the information they have with a new generation instead of yeah. hoarding it. And uh, I've always believed in like letting people know stuff so they can do better because why can't everybody win, right? Why? Well, there's only one answer to it. We just got to let them. Yeah. Let them win. Exactly. Okay, Simon, well, thanks for coming to the show. It's a pleasure having you. Wonderful, I loved it. Okay. We should do it again sometime. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Maybe we can do it in a studio. Whoa, that's Ooh, a good idea. That's well, it. I've got some before you. Okay, great. Good. All right, so that's it for this week. Tune in again next week when we'll have Shelley Jaffe of Edible Arts Cafe. Subscribe.